You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good evening, everybody. Robert Carrillo here in uh, Metro Studio A, which is a garage, but love it. It uh, uh, works out real good. Uh, just greetings, everyone. Good evening. Hope you had a great day today. Hope you're uh, having a good evening. Um, good to be together. Good to continue studying the Bible, learning and growing. And uh, I appreciate everyone's interest and patience and questions and uh, comments that have been uh, sent in. Thank you so much. That's very encouraging and helpful, you know, to, to, to be able to know some of the things we can focus on. We're, we're, we're continuing. I was, I was initially intending to wrap up the study on the role uh, of, well, we're doing a couple of more weeks on roles, but I was going to wrap up on the women's role. But uh, there's a, a number of questions that have popped up that I think I need to address more thoroughly, some today and then one and another class will do. Uh, and there's a few more scriptures that I think will be very helpful for our understanding. And again, as I've said before, I know that you know some people are like, gosh, why are we spending so much time? This is six classes, and when we're all said and done, we're going to probably have eight or nine in total. Because this is a huge topic, and it's a, and it's a very current topic. A lot of people in the world are wondering about this, wrestling through this. And it's actually very current in our fellowship, as some of you know, but there's a lot of discussion about this. So I think it is important that, you know, that we take the time to just walk through the scriptures and make sure we really understand. And you're actually learning through this study a lot about exegesis, which means how you take meaning out of the scriptures or hermeneutics, how you bring it out. Hermes is, was, is, means messenger. It was the, you know, Hermes was the Greek god of mess, uh, or Roman god of messenger god and, 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 um, you know, so the, the the hermeneutics is how you interpret and teach the scriptures, how you pass those out, and there that's very tricky sometimes. You know, most of the time things are very clear and straightforward. Sometimes you really got to know your stuff, and then there's sometimes where we just really don't know what exactly this means, and it's best guess, hopefully educated guess, not just emotional guess, and that's where we really got to like be very careful. And and some of the scriptures involving roles and relationships are like that, you know. So so it is, you know, making sure that we make this spiritual and educated understandings of things, or that we present things and understand things in a spiritual and educated way. There are some dangers too, and I want to talk a little bit about those because some people get really sometimes we get really worked up about issues. And we have to learn how to deal with issues. One of the things we got to watch out for, and, and I'm showing you here this pendulum, we have to be aware of the pendulum. We have tendencies to swing back and forth. You know, in the late 90s, I would say that a lot of discipling got very unhealthy. It became very codependent and and it just wasn't real healthy. And then when we had all the changes in the church, 2001-ish to 2003-ish, the pendulum swung and nobody wanted to talk about discipling or evangelism or anything as a reaction to some of the mistakes made in the late 90s uh, or mid 90s. And and I remember I, we had just moved to San Diego and they had asked me to preach. The church, the region where we moved into asked me to preach. But I was told, but you can't talk about evangelism or discipleship. And I was like, what? You know, and, and they said, no, just because people are really upset about things and trying to figure all this out and da, 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 da. 
And so, you know, I didn't talk about evangelism and discipleship, but I talked about the one another way and loving your neighbor, you know, which was just a way to, to really just bring it in more biblical than the concepts we were using. But that was an example of just swinging. And I've seen churches, whole churches, entire movements have done that. I've seen leaders who, who because of a mistake being made, they swing to the other side. You know, and that's, we, we went, we went through a lot of that 2003 to 2007, you know, people are, you can't tell anybody what to do. And, and, and nobody wanted to lead anything, you know, and, and we were very much in reaction mode on this pendulum. You know, there, there's, there's typically, as I talked about before, a right and a left, there's usually an extreme left on one side, which tends to be more liberal, tends to be more sentimental. Uh, and, and, and that extreme, you know, left is it can be easily detached from scripture and so you know god of course warned us watch your life and doctrine closely right so we have to always remember that so we don't go extreme to the left and then you know likewise that we don't go extreme to the right which tends to be very conservative very traditional and get stuck in their ways and that you know the warning there is don't be an old wineskin you know that don't don't be you know somebody said once um you can't teach an old dog new tricks, so don't be an old dog, you know? I mean, even in, in our Christianity and our faith, we're all growing, we're all learning. That means we should be evolving constantly. Or the biblical idea is being transformed into his likeness, which means we're always growing. And I talked about this already, but I want to reiterate these points because I don't want anybody to get stuck or trapped in a fault, in a crack or a, or take the wrong exit here off God's highway. Uh, because these are traps, you know, swinging the pendulum, going from one extreme to another, or, or even thinking, you know, oh my gosh, we were wrong before. How do we know we're not wrong about everything now? You know, that's part of life. We're just growing spiritually. And it's not always necessarily wrong or right. Sometimes it's just evolving and maturing in our understanding. Um, you know, if you look at this, you know, the, 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 the idea behind this, you know, pendulum here is in the middle is God's will, right? What God desires, what he teaches in the scripture. And it's always our goal. <clears throat> sometimes we're going to land a little bit to the left. Sometimes we're going to land a little bit to the right. And with time, that prayerfully will get corrected and God will help us. He's constantly restoring us, you know, and then sometimes we kind of swing a little over to one side. And we, and we got to readjust and, you know, the whole idea of recalibrating, which I've talked about in the past, that we have to constantly examine ourselves, examine our faith, and make sure that we're lining up with God's will. Make sure that we're lining up with the scriptures. And sometimes that means big changes in how we see and perceive our, our faith and our Christianity. Uh, we are not the same church today that we were when I joined it in 1984. And I love that church. That church, the church I became a part of in 19, no, I'm sorry, 1983, was an awesome church, but it had a lot of stupid stuff still in it, you know, that it had to learn and grow. We, as I've shared before, we didn't clap, we didn't sing, I mean, we didn't dance, we, we had no instruments and services, um, you know, all these were changes as we were evolving forward. And, and sometimes people would introduce those changes too quick and the body wasn't ready for it. And that caused a controversy, you know, and, and, but people were patient and eventually everybody came around, saw it and we, and we grew together. Um, and there's a whole set of teaching about that a little bit we'll touch on. 
Another trap that we, we've got to watch out for is dualism. What is dualism? Well, common symbol used is the Asian symbol of yin and yang. Um, it's dualism is everything, everything is black or white. Everything is black and white. And here's what's so intense about this. That means that everything is good or evil. There's good people, there's bad people. There's I'm right, you're wrong. We're good, they're bad. Right versus wrong, us versus them, allowed and not allowed. And, and, and that just produces really a terrible uh, version of Christianity. Uh, where everything is us and them, everything is they're right, I'm wrong, I'm right, they're wrong. And we draw these lines and we judge each other and we condemn each other. And that's just a very unhealthy, that is not, that is not Christianity as Jesus intended it to be. But because, especially us in the Western world, which is, you know, the Americas, Europe, um, we have, we based our, much of our understanding of the world and the universe goes back to Greek philosophy and Greek thinkers and they were very dualistic. There's good and evil, right and wrong, black and white, right? You know, and 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 yet, you know, if we look at this, think about this, look back at the uh, slide, you know, heroes do not, well, in, in this thinking, heroes do not, they do not do anything wrong. They, they should be do no wrong. Um, they're 100% good. But the fact is, that is not the way heroes really are. Um, look at Hebrews 11, the, 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 the great list of heroes in the Bible. There's murderers on that list, adulterers, liars, swindlers on that list. Look at the disciples, the early disciples, tax collectors, terrorists, prostitutes, crooks, thieves. These are the people that were ended up being the heroes of God. And, and so all of us, none of us are a hundred percent good or a hundred percent righteous. And, and it's important to understand that. You know, the Bible called us very good, and that's true. And yet, Jesus called us evil, and that's true, too. You know, so um, I've shared in the past how I basically, I've shared this. uh, There's three things that I've learned about people. Number one, we're we're all a bunch of slime buckets. All of us are. We've all done bad things. And even as Christians... We we can be egotistical. We can be prideful. We can be we can be lustful. We can be materialistic. We can be all these these tendencies we can fall into, and a lot of times we don't even know it. We all have blind sides, and and sometimes we're living in our sin and we're not even aware of it. And the people around us are aware. That's why it's so important to get feedback. That's why it's so important to have relationships where people will tell you the truth. It's why it's important for couples to ask each other, "How am I doing? What do I need to change?" What can I grow in? Parents, ask your kids, how am I doing? What do I need to grow in? And don't blow them off just because they're kids. A lot of times kids have a much purer view or purer, cleaner view of who we are. You know, ask a child, what's dad's priorities? They'll nail it. They'll nail it. What's important to dad? Is dad loving? They'll nail it. You know, they'll tell you the truth. They'll say, yeah, he's very loving. Or ah, Dad's grouchy a lot, you know. And and that's why it's important that we, we be able to see through those blind spots so that we're not walking around messed up in sin. But it's important that we understand that that that's all of us. We all have our sin. We all have our faults. And we also have a side of us that is made in God's image, that is very good by God's own words, very good. And that's important. So a lot of times now the, the, there's a, there's a level of gray. There is, you know, we've always believed there's no gray. It's black or white, no gray. You know, and as I said, 
it, it, if everything is black and white, then, you know, if people aren't with us, then they're evil. Then they're bad. They're not real Christians. They're not this. They're not that. And we've got to be careful with that. And especially when we're dealing with scriptures that, that can divide us, that will think differently. That's two people might say, well, I think it's left. The other person, I think it's right. Then we have this pressure that, well, then they must be evil because I'm not the evil one. So I'm the good one. So they must be the bad one, you know, and that's not the way the universe necessarily works. Um, as I said, Jesus, you know, look at the slide. Jesus said, called, God called us very good. Tov meod in Genesis chapter one. Um, Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter. Gave him the keys of the kingdom, right? But then two, two paragraphs later, he says, get behind me, Satan. Well, which is he? Is he Satan or is he the bearer of the keys of the kingdom? He's both. You know, sometimes we're a mixture of right and wrong. And sometimes we have to understand that some things are good, better, and best. Paul said everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. That means just because it's a, it's allowed to be done doesn't mean it should be done. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, if you want to be perfect, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. That isn't an instruction. That isn't a universal teaching that we're all supposed to do that. But it's what he needed. It's what he needed. And he said, if you want to be perfect, and he didn't say if you want to be saved. He said, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be fully mature, if you want to be all that God has designed for you, then do this. I'm guessing he really struggled with materialism. And that focus on materialism kept him from being the spiritual man that God designed him to be. And so sometimes there are things that are just better or more mature, and some things are less mature. It wasn't to say that he was lost and he was an evil person. It just meant that if he really wanted to go all the way with God and be all that God wanted him, he's going to have to change some things. And that's 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 like us as Christians. It doesn't mean we're we're you know because, oh we sin so we're going to hell. No, and and you know and and sometimes people say to me. You know, there's problems in the church. I'm like, yeah, yeah, there's problems in the church. You know why there's problems in the church? Because there's people in the church. And as long as there's people in the church, there's going to be problems. The only way to get rid of the problems is to get rid of the people. But it's, you know, like the little kids thing, you know, who, who you know, what's what's the church? It's the people inside or I forget how that goes. I used to know that when I had little kids. But um we have to be aware of that. We've got to be careful of carrying dualism too far. Um, you know, we, we, dualism makes us think that everything is crystal clear, everything is black or white, and it, it isn't always like that. Sometimes things are debatable. Sometimes things are, as Paul said, disputable matters, you know, and, and sometimes things are black and white, but, but especially with disputable matters, you know, he said, Paul wrote, Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Disputable matters are like magnets for controversy, argument, judgment, all this stuff. We just got to be careful. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. You know, that we always got to be striving for peace. I don't always agree with leadership. Myself, and he said, "Well, you're a leader, Robert. I'm just one leader, but I got a lot of people over me and around me, and and ahead of me and behind me, and you know, I'm I'm just like everyone listening right now. There's, I'm I'm in the family, but I'm not the top dog. Jesus is the only top one, but there are people that I'm under, 
and I don't necessarily always agree. I have, I personally have an advantage that that I've got biblical training. I can translate Greek and Hebrew, and I know the background, all that stuff. And 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 sometimes that's even more of a challenge because I I can see when somebody's teaching something and it's wrong, or they didn't use the Greek right, or they or or they're going off training that we used to believe in in the early nineties and really doesn't isn't very good anymore. And I don't always agree, but as he says here, he says, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourselves and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Sometimes I just got to keep it to myself. Now, if somebody, you know, if, if, if people, leaders of the Los Angeles church or the ICOC started teaching that, you know, you don't have to be baptized, doesn't really matter that you can pray Jesus in your heart then that is a doctrinal salvation issue I would have to speak up. But if it's, you know, something that's a controversial matter that, you know, it could go different ways, I'm not, I'm going I'm to do what Paul said, keep it to myself. Because there's something more important, unity and love. Love and unity, that's, that's the more important order. Love first and unity, that comes from love. And, and that's important, not... Me proving I, my opinions are right on controversial matters. So I've got to be really careful of how there's the, the, you know, when I, when I worked with Hope Worldwide and I did some in-depth studies on, on Christians and the poor and I realized things, I realized that, you know, people are, there are people that will not go to heaven because they didn't help the poor. There are people that will go to hell that are faithful members of the church because they never had time to help the poor. That you know, you say, well, "Whoa, that's a big jump, Robert." No, I can show you with all this. I can show you with parables. I can show you with the Greek. I can I can prove it to you. But I understand that we're as a church weren't quite there yet. So I set out. I wrote quiet times. I preached sermons. I spoke to leaders all around the world. And I was given that pulpit by God. Not all of us have that, you know. And there's some things that nobody's asking me. Nobody cares what I think. Okay, that's fine. If, especially if it's a disputable matter. You know, and I've I've spent much of my time. Same thing with justice. Now, I feel like there's a lot that needs to be learned in our church about justice, and and understood from a biblical, godly perspective, not an emotional, not a right wing reaction, not a left liberal wing emotional passion, but out of a balanced scriptural, spiritual view, and. You know, God is awesome and God is good. And it's not like he doesn't talk about the subject. He talks a lot about the subject. And we just haven't been listening. We honestly haven't been listening. And there's some people that, that you know, that are on the, in the far left and they're emotional and they're passionate, but they're not thinking spiritually. So they run way off to, you know, to, to reaction. And then there are some people that are very conservative. They're, they're, they're almost the definition of an old wineskin. They won't change. They're locked down in their views, and they're condemning and judging everyone else. And you know what? And both of those people are in our church. They're in our church. You say, well, kick them out. No. That's why we're supposed to love each other and work together. And, you know, in the issue of of, of justice, race relations, women's um, immigration, all of these issues, they're touchy, and and we really, really, really have to use a lot of wisdom, a lot, and and understand uh, that love is the overriding law here. That spirituality, and, and that we're striving, and keep in mind what Paul said. 
Because some of it is right and wrong, and we just got to help and be patient in the church to get that. Some of it is disputable matters, and hey, you know, I'm going to have one opinion, someone else is going to have another opinion, and we just keep it to ourselves and not impose that or judge each other because we have a difference of opinion. And I understand that. That's that's the hard part. That's why we have teachers to help us know the difference. What's the disputable matter, and what is a, a salvation issue and what is just basic doctrine, you know? And that's why that's why it is important that there are teachers, people who know the Bible, know Hebrew, Greek, how to break down, how to do exegesis, and how to do these things, so that we stay as close as we can on that pendulum to doing God's will, and we don't fall into splitting up. Uh, you know, the, there 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 are there are many wonderful things about our fellowship. I have studied many churches. I mean, I'm talking in the last 10 years. I have visited many churches. I've studied them out. I've said this was part of my MDiv program at Pepperdine. And so I got to know a lot about different churches, different movements, some very similar to ours. And and I can tell you this, you know, I, okay, number one, I am very aware of our weaknesses and even things that we're not doing right, that we're trying to get right. I'm also very much, I love our fellowship. I love our church because we are wrestling with things. We are trying to grow. We are admitting when we're wrong. You know, sometimes not in the timeline that I would like. And that's the hard part for all members. Sometimes like, when are we going to get this right? You know, and and we feel that. But you got to understand, if you look at the Old Testament, we read these chapters like, oh, they changed this, then they did that, then they did this. You gotta understand, sometimes these chapters are hundreds of years apart, or books are a thousand years apart, you know, that it didn't just happen. God works through time, and that's what it means to wait on the Lord, and he will correct things and change things. And so there's a balance there. It takes a lot of wisdom, a lot of prayer. We can't be swinging on the pendulum and reacting to each other. And 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 we might, you might say, well, I mean, Aren't there times that, that things are black and white? Yeah, absolutely. Light and darkness, Satan versus Jesus, right versus wrong, good versus evil, truth versus lies, love versus hate. Those are those are absolutely dualistic in the sense that it's good versus evil. Just be careful when we assign that to people. Be very careful. We are both good and evil. We are both good and evil. Um you know, in Acts twenty six, we talk, we read about when Paul was being when Paul was being sent out in his conversion. It says, Jesus said, "I am sending you to the open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me." So, I mean, God was uh, Jesus was absolutely sending Paul into this battle of good versus evil. So it is there. I'm not saying it's not there. Absolutely it's there. But be careful when we try to assign that to people because the truth is people are good and evil. We are both. We are, as God said in Genesis 1, we are tov meod. When he made us, he called us very good. And that's awesome. That's good news. But Jesus also knew that we are sinners. It's The Bible says, he entrusted himself to no man because he knew what was in a man. You know what that means? He didn't trust you. He didn't trust me. He, 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 he would not put his life in our hands. 
We said, well, didn't he die on the cross first? Yes, but on his terms, the day he decided, the way he decided, and what he decided, not us, because he didn't trust our judgment and our, and we have to know that, that our judgment and our understanding is always flawed. It's never perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. So we do the best we can. We say, well, how does that going to work? How do we trust anything then? We trust God. And the church, God is moving in it. You know, I, I, I would not teach and I would not say that God is controlling everything. I would say God is in control. But, that, but you know, the, the, the plane engine that fell off last week and, and, you know, fell from the sky, did God do that? I doubt it. I don't think God's running around breaking plane engines. And, and if we have that theology, if we think that God does everything, then we get in big trouble when a little girl dies of cancer. Or, you know, a, our aunt who's so faithful, so spiritual, such a wonderful person gets killed by a, you know, stray bullet or something. That, that, you know, atrocities. God is in control does not necessarily mean he controls everything. In fact, Jesus said, who did Jesus say the ruler of this world is? Satan, not God. Satan. He said, but isn't God Lord of everything? Absolutely. Isn't Jesus Lord of everything? Absolutely. But our world is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where his authority and his law is recognized and put into practice. And, that, you know, we used to very much confuse the church and the kingdom of God. Do they overlap? Yeah, they overlap a lot, but they're not the same thing. You know, do it, the kingdom of God is where things are being done according to God's will. And the church is trying to do that and be that and live in that. But not always. And we know that. Sometimes the church messes up. Sometimes as a group we mess up. And so we, it takes lots of love, lots of patience, lots of, of grace, you know, over all of us. Um, so is there a time of black and white issues? Yes, absolutely. The things of God, the, the, the battle. But just be careful. You know, uh, therefore, in 1 Corinthians 4, 5, the same letter where Paul talks about all these scriptures about women and men and roles, he says, therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At, the, at that time, each will receive their praise from God. Did you catch that? He's here. He's telling us of this black and white battle, of this evil and good battle. But he's telling us, be careful how you judge things. Not before the appointed time. There is a judge. It's not us. It's Jesus. And when he comes, he will judge things. So sometimes there are things that I feel like, hey, that's not right. Depending on the issue, depending on the situation, sometimes I'm commanded by God to speak up about it. That's justice. But there's other times where I don't think we're practicing this right, but it could be, you know, not sure about this scripture, or that scripture, and it's keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. What was the issue when, when God said, when Paul said that? Well, the issue was, you know, uh, whether a Christian should eat meat or not. Meat sacrificed to idols. We'll go back, back to Romans 14 again. Okay, let me give you the background first. Sorry. Uh, sorry about that. Let me give you the background first. So in the early in the early days of the church, you know, Antioch was was established as a church, and it was a mixed group. The first church was Jerusalem, all Jews, all Jews. And so, of course, they all follow the Jewish practices and the Jewish laws and the laws of the Old Testament. Nobody said, 
you know, you don't need to do those laws anymore. So, um, and then the next church that's established is in Antioch, and that's a mixed church. That's the first segregated or non-segregated, what's the word, uh, first interracial, intercultural church. And they got Gentiles in that church. And so some of the Jews are saying, hey, welcome to the kingdom of God. You you know, come as you are. Other Jews say, oh, no, 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 no. You got to become a Jew. You got to follow the law of Moses. You got to get circumcised. You got to do all this stuff. A big dispute arose. What did they do? They went to Jerusalem to get advice. Now, the church in Jerusalem said, hey, just don't do it. Don't eat, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. Don't do that. Okay, that's clearly, go back and read it, Acts chapter 15, that was the advice, you know, they don't need to become Jews, and they don't need to get circumcised, and they don't, and they shouldn't, but they should stay away from meat sacrificed to idols. Fast forward to the church in Rome, the church is established, all the, the Roman emperor kicked out all the Jews out of Rome, and so whatever Jews were in the church, boom, they're gone. That's how we got Priscilla and Aquila running around helping Paul, because they were in Rome, and they got kicked out of Rome. And so, so, you know, the church is a whole Gentile church. They don't know anything about Levitical laws and what you can eat and what you can't eat. And so they're having carnitas, tacos, you know, on, after church, which would horrify a Jew. That's pork. That's pork. You can't do that. Well, then the emperor lifted that ban and allowed the Jews to come back. And now all of a sudden, the Jews show up to church and the brothers are passing out pork tacos, you know. And they're like, what in the world? And, and of course, it became disputed. And, and so what does Paul tell them? Okay, this is Paul speaking, the same Paul who went to Jerusalem to get advice. He says, accept one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. What you can eat, what you cannot eat was a disputable matter. You know, do you, should you be eating pork or should you not be eating pork? There's not a clear command. On, there's a clear command not to to the Jews, but what about to Christians? There's nothing there, right? And and the best advice was the advice that the apostles and the and the elders in Jerusalem gave them was just stay away from it. The question is, did they say stay away from it because it's a sin or because it causes your brothers to struggle? I would opt for that understanding because Paul talks about that. I'm pulling out excerpts. If you want to read the whole thing, read Romans chapter 13, 14, and 15. But um, then later in that same chapter, he says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what it leads to peace and to mutual edification. So just because you have the right to do something or the right to not do something doesn't mean that you should exercise that right. What we have to keep in mind always is what leads to peace, shalom, between us and to mutual edification, building each other up. So a good example would be drinking. You know, if my brother is an alcoholic and I have him over for dinner, I'm probably not going to, you know, offer him a glass of wine, right? Because I know this is a struggle. In fact, the truth is, most of the time, I'm not even going to drink a glass of wine unless it's a special circumstance because I don't want to tempt my brother or or, you know, what, whatever the, the, the example, you know, in the church, this is really important. This is why I talked about that one time about some of the parties we've had where alcohol is being poured like crazy. And, we, and, and if we know that nobody in there has a problem with drinking, amen. But if you, if you don't know that for a fact, you got to really be sensitive to that. I know the church in New York, nobody drinks. Why? Because 
A third of that church is, has struggles with addiction. Nobody does. So that's their conviction. Is that a biblical mandate? No, but it's just what they do to build each other up and it leads toward peace, right? So then in verse 22, he says, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. You know, you don't have to impose your opinions. And I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm talking about opinions about whatever, including doctrine sometimes. It doesn't mean you need to oppose it on, on, on others. Keep it between you and yourself. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Here's the, here's the challenge, too, is that there are things today that I understand and know, and I'm sure the case is the same for you, that 10 years ago I didn't understand. There are things that I would never teach now because I know things a little deeper and I have a better understanding of God. Well, does that mean I need to go back and apologize? No, I, I preach and teach what I did understand. Again, as I, as I said, we're all growing. We're all evolving. So the truth is you may land on the left side of an issue today, but in 10 years you might land on the right side of it. You know, and, and so... The best that we can say, when it, whenever it's a disputable or possibly different ways of understanding something, we just have to say, well, here's my opinion. Here's what I think. And you can say, here's why. Here's what I think and here's why. But we can't just judge and condemn each other. You're wrong. I'm right. You're evil. I'm good. You're not a Christian. I am a Christian. You know. Now, well, what about things that are crystal clear? Well, you stand up for what's crystal clear. It's why the Bible says, watch your life and doctrine. But it has to be crystal clear. you know. And, and I know that we could drag a lot of stuff into that. Well, what about baptism? There's people that don't believe in baptism. In my opinion, the, the Bible's pretty clear about baptism and what happens in it. It's not a disputable matter. Is it disputed? Oh, yeah, it's disputed. But it's not really a disputable matter because Scripture is pretty clear about it. There are some things, and we're going to even talk about some of these Scriptures that involve roles and responsibility that aren't crystal clear. And it's a challenge sometimes. It's a challenge to figure out which way to go on this. So, you know, an example is 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16. We already studied this, but I, I just want to hit it off as an example here. Um, where he says, but I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of, of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Okay, so the, the key issue here is the word kephale right, or kefale, or however you want to say it. Nobody really knows because nobody's from the first century around to, to say it. But um, that could that is typically translated as head. That's what most scholars would tell you. That's what most people who know Greek and, and are b Greek biblical scholars and translators in the Bible, that's why it says, that's why it's translated that way. The NIV, they got translators, Greek experts, from all these different denominations, a whole bunch of, even the Church of Christ, they were all there and they translated it together so that they could have a consensus of what the most likely translation is. Now, are there other people saying other things? Yeah. There's some people that think, well, it should have been uh, the more the idea of preeminent, not head implies authority, preeminent. It, it may not be authority, it may be more preeminence. You know, like the first person. Somebody can be preeminent but not have authority. The The winner of a race is preeminent. He's the first. He's the one who did it. That doesn't mean he has authority over everybody else in the race. It just means he's preeminent, you know. Or or you can have a, you know, a professor of history who's preeminent. He's, he's the best. He just, wow. But it doesn't mean he has authority over all the others. 
Now, some would argue it's more of that along the lines. And some would say it's it's origin or source, you know, and, and that's that's a minority view. That's And I don't mean minorities as in socially, but I mean just very, less people think that because of problems the way that doesn't fit in, in other scriptures, in other understandings. And the fact is, you know, the, the, the origin or source view is egalitarian view. It means everybody's equal in order and status and preeminence. And, you know, it's, it's a little more extreme, honestly. And, but, but there is clearly order in the scriptures. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Christ, man, woman. There's a, there's a quality of order in there. And it doesn't mean value. And this is why I keep harping on the, the value thing, because it, because our nature is so much that if somebody's first in line, they're more valuable than the guy who's fifth in line or the, or the woman who's seventh in line. That isn't the way God sees things. We are absolutely equally valuable before the Lord because we are equally made in his image. And God said to male and female, very good. Dov meod. This is very good. So there's no difference in value there. But there can be a difference in order, you know. And I mean, we, you know, would, would, would you say Jesus was prejudiced? Would you say Jesus uh, was, was a racist or a gender biased person? I don't think anybody would say that right yet. But when, when, um, when questioned, Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Wait a second. What do you mean he was only sent to Jews? Isn't that racist? Isn't that isn't that uh, giving more valuable to one group over another? Isn't that prejudicial? No. It's an order. Who came first? First he was sent to the Jews. God didn't send J- Jesus to Mexico. Well, there's a lot of guys named Jesus, but that, not Jesus. Not that one. He didn't send Jesus to Europe or to Africa or to China or to Russia. Why? Because he'd already prepared a people for his coming. And so they were first in line. That doesn't mean they're worth more. They had more. I mean, in one sense, you could absolutely argue they had way more authority in terms of God than anybody else because they knew God and they had a relationship with him. And and, and Jesus even says to the Samaritan woman, says, you Samaritan, Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Okay, so, you know, I mean, that sounds kind of racist. You know, salvation is from the Jews. Aren't they the ones who denied Jesus? Aren't they the ones who crucified him? Yeah, some of them were. You know, actually it was the Romans who crucified him, but because of what the Jews demanded. But not all Jews. And, and it was still part of God's plan that Jesus would be sent to the Jews and that the Jews would have the knowledge of God. They, the Pharisees were called the lamps of Israel. You know, they were supposed to be the light. And, and who did Jesus say, say that you were the light of the world? To a bunch of Gentiles? No, he said it to a bunch of Jews. You know, the Sermon on the Mount. There's probably Gentiles there, but, but that's the general audience he was speaking to. And that doesn't mean that he was prejudiced against us. In fact, time and time and time and time again, Jesus showed that he wasn't prejudiced. I mean, talking to the Samaritan woman, talking, you know, order does not imply value. So that's what's really important. That's why I harp on that. Um, You know, are God's firstborn, the Jews, worth more than Gentiles? No, no, no. In fact, he makes it very clear there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither male nor female. 
We are all equally valuable and, and, and have equal gifts and have equal say in our understanding. I mean, I, you know, you can, anybody who knows Michelle and I well knows that I might be the more boisterous one that talks more and is out there more. That's my personality. That's my profile. That's how God wired me to be a spokesman for him. But who's the one that's got the wisdom and the insights and incredibly spiritual? My wife, Michelle. And in some ways, I would say she's way ahead of me spiritually. And in other ways, I would say I'm ahead of her or stronger in some things. And we complement each other very well. There isn't, oh, I'm more valuable because I'm, a, I'm more of a preacher. No, that's my role. You know, is my Bose speaker more valuable than the generator of the house, than the, than the power supply of the house? No. I mean, I might see the look at the Bose and, and, or whatever speaker I got, you know, it's just, there's different roles. There's different. So, and, 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 you know, when we look at Jesus, like, think about this. All the apostles were men. Is it because he was prejudiced against women? All the evangelists were men. Was that because he was prejudiced against uh, women? The first to testify of the resurrection were women. Women weren't even allowed to testify in court in Israel. And yet God chose, Jesus chose, the first witnesses would be women. The first to proclaim the resurrection to who? To the apostles was a woman. The first to, and, and you know what? They didn't even believe her, which shows the prejudicial nature of men. They didn't even believe her. John and Peter went running over to ch check for themselves. Classic. You know, they, they didn't value her testimony like Jesus valued her testimony, like God values. The big dispute settled in Acts 15 was settled by men the apostles and the elders, okay? Does that mean that God is prejudiced against women? No, absolutely not. There's different roles. Jesus reached out to a woman, to women all the time, even though it wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't supposed to happen. Samaritan woman, the Syrophoenician woman, the woman caught in adultery, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Who were his best friends? Mary and Martha. And and Lazarus too. I mean, well, I should, I should, maybe I shouldn't say best friends, but close friends for sure. He'd go hang out with them. And he said that, you know, we all have friends that we just hang out with, right? That they're our hangout buddies. They're the people we can just be ourselves and we don't have to worry about how we come across or what people think of us. For Jesus, that was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And he hung out with them. And you got to understand the context, the context here. This was absolutely unacceptable in the first century. When, when Genesis was recorded and passed out, Women were seen as property, and yet God said they are equal. They're equal shares of his image, of his likeness. That is so radical. And and so we, we just got to be careful. There's different ways of seeing things. Some things we need to keep to ourselves and some things that we, you know, that we can share with others, but we've just got to always have humility with that. So I'm out of time, but this was, I think, an important talk that we had to have um and and just uh, again and and understanding how do we discern things how do we discern god's will in the scriptures and you know what are the reasons why we choose this interpretation over that interpretation 
Why did the NIV writers use this word? And and then I wouldn't even say they're always right. There's times when I disagree with the NIV writers. But, of course, I have the training to look at the B, the Greek and the Hebrew and things like that. And and that, that doesn't mean to say that you have to be able to read and write them. But, but we have to have humility always. And some of these things, I'm not going to say this is absolutely because I'm evolving too. And I know that in 10 years, if I'm still alive... <laughs> I'm going to feel differently about some things than I do today. We say, well, how do we trust anybody? That's that's the beauty of grace. That's why we have to be rich in grace and love. And, and you know, that sometimes you just have to trust God that we're on a journey. And we're not perfect yet, um, but we're striving for that. We are striving to be perfect. We are striving. And sometimes we're even going to get it wrong. What I love about this church, one of the things I love most is we do face our errors. And and sometimes it takes too long for us. We're like, come on, come on, when are you going to see this? And I had to go through that a lot with hope about helping the poor. you know. And there are other issues like that. I think the role of women, I mean, why is it this, this movement that's over 40 years old, why are we just now dealing with some of these issues? But you got to understand when this movement started, it was radical on two very big similar points. It was interracial church in the South, and women prayed in public. That didn't happen in churches in the South. Not in the 1960s. We were radical, cutting edge. Eh, we've fallen behind a little, so we're catching up. But we're, we're, God is leading us forward and helping us grow. So I'm going to stop there, and we'll continue the conversation next class. This next week, uh, Doug will be doing an important uh class on safety and, and just how we need to think about all the pandemic stuff. Um, one thing for sure is nobody can accuse of not dealing with current issues. <laughs> we are. And I appreciate so much that we have uh, an expert at the caliber and the quality of a Doug Weber. So we want to take advantage of that. Uh, I know we got a lot of questions about the pandemic and meeting and all that kind of stuff that he'll be addressing. So love you guys. Um, I'm going to fast forward my slides here to get to the questions. Here we go. The questions for tonight. Um, read Romans 14, 1 through 22. How does God want us to handle disputable matters? Why do we judge each other? Why is it so important not to judge? These are important questions. These are important questions. We're wrestling through things. We're getting there. So God bless you. Love you. Buen camino. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit metrolaregion.com 